0: Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling disorganized religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Hey, nerds, welcome to another episode of Disorganized Religion. I'm your host, Seth Lawrence. As always, thank you all for tuning in and for listening. This week, this episode, True Treat, a, a treasure. A national treasure, a treasure of both East and West Coasts, a rising star, a meteoric comedian, the mighty Matty Chimber joins me today. Welcome, Matty. Thank you so much, man.
1: I mean, I I knew the intro was going to be good, but you... (laughs) blew my pants off that are not even on right now and I'll tell you yeah I'm baby flatt- I'm flattered to say the least
0: oh I love it I love it so much I love that Zoom provides us the mullet of outfit the the business on top party on bottom
1: professional on top uh you know misdemeanor down below because this <laughs> wouldn't be legal <laughs> anywhere else
0: <laughs> yeah the indecent decent exposure <laughs> yeah let's see fuck the f- party non party we'll do
1: Legal up top, illegal below. That's a new yeah, move. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, Although you did man. say my last name slightly wrong, I'll say ah. you know.
0: So how does fan, how does one who knows you better pronounce it?
1: It's like timber, but with a ch sound.
0: Timber, timber.
1: Sometimes people, and I give the benefit of the doubt, they try to sound more fancy, and I I take it as a. a term like a endearment you know they try to yeah. get fancy with it Shambor, i get shambors <laughs> people add letters at the end i'm like i i know you like me but
0: you know it's whatever though i right. have learned to deal with it right i just went with sort of phonetic chimber that's that's what i went with
1: that's a good chimber. that's a good that's a good thing
0: the i the why tricks people you know yeah it's, it's a, a tricky sneaky, that's, a sneak, that's that's a sneaky letter a vowel yeah <laughs> All That's right, a I'm gonna sneaky tr- <laughs> letter, anyways. <laughs> it is, it is indeed. And you're a sneaky man, you're a sneaky hey, man. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, uh, Maddie, I mean, I've seen you around a lot on the scene, but I think you and I really got to know each other just a couple weeks ago at uh, the nightcap at, at Aaron Dude. Maliner's spot. Nightcap used to be known as the bunker, not to be confused with the comedy bunker run by the fantastic yeah. Latif. But yeah, uh, the nightcap, uh, I'm not going to lie, I'm a huge, might be a bigger
1: fan of uh, nightcap than I was the bunker. But I mean, the place, great hang out. I love outdoor vibes. You know, it's more of a hang than the bunker was, which I appreciate. We all can kind of hang out in that room, chit chat, you know, goof around, drink more importantly. and
0: (laughs) Right. Well, some of (laughs) you, some of you can drink.
1: You don't, but hey, if you get <laughs> yeah. a couple white claws and put me in a green room, I'll start making friends. So,
0: <laughs> the Lucy, the Lucy Goosey Maddie, that's what we all hey, love at the nightcap. Give me, uh, I'm making friends everywhere, but yeah, it's been great. I
1: feel like three, your person, though, I feel like although we just met a few weeks ago, I feel like I, if somebody, I feel like I've known you longer. It's one of those type of things versus I some people where, you're, yeah, where some people you meet you know, for a long time. And you're like, why do I feel like I can re-meet you every time? (laughs) Unlike you, where I'm like, did we cross
0: paths before? And I just have amnesia, but you know what? Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I I like meeting people like you. I agree. I agree. It's sort of like, I don't necessarily believe in reincarnation, but meeting people like you where it's like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe we did. Maybe we did cross paths in some previous life. I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm, i If
1: somebody can prove it. I'd
0: believe it. <laughs> I love it. I love that's it. It's a, uh, a bumper sticker. <laughs> that's it. Uh, coexist. Get rid of coexist. Just if you can prove it, I'll believe it. That's, that's all I need. Sticker.
1: Kind of prove it. Don't even prove it. I'll believe it.
0: Just some somewhere toward the realm of proof. And uh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I love it. So you've been doing comedy for 10 years. You started in L.A. or did you start in New York?
1: So real quick, uh, one, to answer your first question, I started out, I mean, if you want to get technical, I'm from Connecticut. I actually never did stand-up in New York. Um, Mm -hmm. I did my first, my first time ever on stage. Let me pull back. My first time ever on stage, oddly enough, was in Massachusetts because a kid I worked with in Connecticut went to Worcester Polytech. I knew he, we worked at a day camp together after college. I knew he did stand-up and I was like, Hey man, how do you even get into this? Cause one of my buddies recommended I do it. I was always a fan. And, but in yeah. like the East coast entertainment's not really an option. Everybody knows it, it like people pursue or know how to get into. It. And oddly enough, I'm at this day camp. He does it, yeah. um, hit him up. He got me on this, like, I don't even know what, in, in hindsight, I don't even know what it was. It was like this weird showcasey improv slash comedy, uh, variety thing, but he got me like five minutes on it. And okay. so I did that first set in connect or in Massachusetts. Did probably like five open mics in Connecticut. And during that time I already graduated undergrad and I knew I was going to come to LA. Um uh-huh. and then, you know, I I, I mean I don't know I don't even know what the term taking comedy serious was, but I would just do I did like hey. one a month. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, And then I m- moved to LA and t- did grad school, took like six months off and then hit it pretty hard here. Once I realized I really like it. So I just tell people I started out here, but if we want to dig into the nitty gritty for <laughs> podcast world, that's kind of like the, the right. timeline of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well now, now you can separate your real fans from just your casual fans, Maddie. Those who know you started yeah. in Massachusetts for real out of the box. They might've been there.
1: I know maybe <laughs> I would do all well, fun. Yeah. Saying Worcester is Boston is a stretch, but hey, I'll take it. I don't care. It sounds cooler.
0: (laughs) It's all the same. On the West Coast, to me, it's all the same over there, right? Honestly, it's all smushed together, and they all all talk the same anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, they're all cold and miserable together.
1: And you know what? That generates comedy, so I'll take that. But yeah, so I did that, and then uh, 10 years, and it's crazy. I guess it's weird to count this year or last year as a year in comedy but I'm a person yeah. that I I'm never like one you always meet people in comedy who get very uh technical when they try to like tally up how many years because they want to sound like they've been doing it less they're like right. I've been grinding for like a year but I've been doing it for 12 you're <laughs> like you've been doing it for 12 years
0: yeah yeah so okay yeah. uh and, and what is your there are a couple of things I want to talk to you about, but first I want to ask you about the, uh, your writing process. Cause your, your comedy is so unique to you. And I, I love all of what you do. Uh, but I'm curious about how you come up with the bits that you, that you stick with. Boy,
1: I, I'm glad this is being recorded because I'm going to listen back to it. Cause I swear <laughs> to God, I don't even know, like, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting to hear people say things like, you, my comedy is unique and you can tell my, cause like, you know, everybody has like imposter syndrome where I feel like I'm just every white guy. Then I, but lately, yeah, I've noticed the things that stick are, and I do my best to write jokes and really be ob- observant. I'm not a guy who sits down and writes. I try to do like the morning page thing, but that's like fair weather stuff. I jot ideas down. I do a lot of open mics and I will write like a word or an idea that intrigues me. And Mm -hmm. it's just the sheer volume of going up and just saying stuff constantly and just keeping what sticks and finding like a rhythm in that where, and I feel like for, since you started seeing me at the nightcap, I've been getting good at like, just being free on stage. I tend to think like I'm good at like, I don't say riffing, but I'm pretty quick-witted. And some of the things, they're not crowd work per se, but it's like things that happen in the moment that I somehow generate into jokes that I can do off like at different venues. Like, so when people are like, oh, it's good crowd work. But if you actually watch me at a couple places, I can do that. It almost becomes a bit, which is odd. So I have those, which I feel like my career shifting more towards that which it sounds very conversational and very, and it's it's like a hundred percent me but when you see me on the road I did have a lot of like because I used to open for Drew Lynch and you kind of emulate the person you open for so he watching him he's very structured you open with this you close with that and on the road you do need something like that so yeah. it's weird I'm like I'm departing from that while trying to take this the the professionalism of that style, if that makes any sense
0: yeah yeah, yeah, well it feels like you're you're kind of describing uh, an Ian bag like a, a drew Lynch to Ian bag transformation almost of right having this kind of repertoire of what appears to be off the cuff riff, but you've just done it so many times and people are generally all the same that right couple tweaks here and there and it looks brand new but it's really something that you've honed uh it's right. not lazy you know
1: right and honestly for me as a per and a writer too and just how I like I hate doing I'm not, I never ever ever write my jokes out verbatim like if they don't really mm-hmm. the only time I ever did that was actually like a year ago at my thing right here June 29th last year I did an hour for the first time and that was the only time I ever and it was at the comedy bunker oddly enough you brought it up
0: yeah yeah, Um, yeah
1: that was the only time I ever uh got very technical because it's just the sheer volume of jokes you can't just like be off the cuff like these sets around town when you're doing 10 minutes 15 you can get away with like not really planning, but that was the first time I made like a Google Docs and I wrote down verbatim. But even when I do that, my rule for myself is like, when I start tag, you do the punchline, when I start tagging, I really try to make that custom for the show, or that's my like wiggle room where you can, Mm. I'm allowed, I'm like a, I have like my right and left side of my brain where it's like my right side is, do the joke up to the punchline. And once you get that laugh, I'll let you off the leash for the tags and then I'm going to put you back on the leash. So yeah. it it mimics like uh, you, you kind of like hide the structure around me fucking around and stuff. So <laughs> sure. Well,
0: do I you need feel that. Like... I'll
1: drive myself crazy, dude.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I definitely can understand that there's for me, uh, I, I try to have at least one or two jokes that are just kind of mine that right. I almost don't even care if the audience loves it or not. I just like, toying with the ideas of the jokes
1: I need um, those or I can't I just feel like a shell of a person just <laughs> reciting the same words you're just like what was that that's not even fun yeah you, you know? yeah
0: yeah and I'm I wanted to add, does does do you feel like it's maybe a risk reward kind of thing too where some of those tags that you're playing with don't quite oh, yeah. hit as hard but if if yeah. they do it's like a super hard hit
1: yeah dude that's the thing where I feel when I do go off the cuff a little bit too much, you're Mm -hmm. right. It's like, it either is just like great or it just completely flops and it freaks me out a little bit. And that's like the point in my group, like where I'm at comedically, where how do I juggle that? And I always Mm. feel like I used to take myself off the tether rope when I would do the riffs and I'd be if it, the joke or the tag for eating it or whatever, I would mm-hmm. I would have a hard time scrambling back to the structure. But now I'm trying to be really good at like getting my mate- my scripted stuff very good where it makes me feel comfortable. So I can sense if like the first tag or whatever they're not feeling it, I just go right back to the thing. You kind of like dip your toe in the water if they're if it's too cold and not feeling it, you just zip right back. So yeah. But you're right. When it hits, it's like, I mean, it's just like, un- it's a laugh you can't get from most of your punchlines. That's what I right. try to make my, you know, so, but when it doesn't, it's a terrifying uh, <laughs> co- career ending moment. And you drink right. at the nightcap and talk to strangers.
0: So. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a self, sometimes it's a self questioning, like, what am I even doing? Why am I even up here? This was, all a terrible mistake
1: bro it's uh it's crazy but you know it's the it's easy to like romanticize now in the moment it's definitely a tough thing because i'm i see people i feel like it's funny because i see people like you and like at the nightcap we always see taylor tomlinson there, like very like technical people and i the grass is always greener like i swear to god i wish i was like a david like a writer and i was talking to a friend yesterday who's a comic and i'm like I wish I loved writing. Cause I'm a very visual person. Like I draw paint and I can see what's good. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but like, even with my videos I make online, when I can see it, yeah, I can, I feel more confident if it's a yes or no. But when I write, I don't see humor on paper, like certain people. So it's very hard for me. And I envy like the technical people who can just go up there and just slam with this like perfect thing and do that every time versus me where the anxiety is like, well, got to figure something new out this show. And it just kind of scares right. the shit out of me because there's no like guarantee in
0: that. So that's the thing I'm trying to
1: learn right now and, or at least deal with better.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I feel very similarly to you. I had a little bit of improv training, you know, with, with comedy sports in Provo before doing stand-up. and mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like that's a, a boon and sometimes I feel like it's a crutch that gets me in trouble, you know? Oh dude, isn't it
1: crazy? Yeah. Yeah. But I did a show, I did a show Friday and I literally, before the set, I'm just like, I'm a person, I do know about you, like, I know the riffs work great when they hit, but like how to get into them, I'm not sure. Like before every show, I'm just a nervous wreck. Like I'm going to bomb. <laughs> And I just, and then I have like this one sentence that's like, I'm excited to say that leads me in. And once I get going, I'm fine. But like, dude, when you do the improv stuff, like, I don't know about you, I'm just like a wreck before each show, because I'm like, I have no idea what is going to happen right now. Like, I'm never confident. It's (laughs) like the craziest thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. What my strategy is to have, you know, one or two jokes that I know I'm going to do one kind of right off the top. And then one maybe in the middle or even as a closer, but getting into the improv, like what kind of these ideas I want to toy with. Mm. Yeah. That can be soul crushing if it's not going well. Uh, I mean,
1: it's, it's weird, but you know what? It's, it's the, uh, my confidence has a lot to do with that feeling before I got on stage, though. Like uh, lately at the nightcap, that venue, I sort of got just having all you guys there and we're having fun makes me not care about the outcome as much and I'm trying to take that (laughs) mentality because like you ever see like these these guys around LA who are like successful and you watch them their air of like I care but I don't give a shit is like through the roof like you watch them on stage taking risks and like you're just like god like I wish I can I want to do that but I my fear is like I got to do good. So they booked me again. But then when I do right. venues like night, night cap and everyone's there. And like, we're friends with Aaron and he's like, dude, have fun. you have these sets that are so great. And I'm like, that's what I'm trying to mimic because it makes me feel better about doing the weird things. So yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the rule for this year for me, at least. Yeah. So
0: well, and that's good. I mean, the people that I noticed doing that, you know, for example, like Anil Brennan, you know, taking risks and he's a writer for sure. He's not, I don't right. think going off the cuff up there um, but he'll take risks, you know, and, and do something that he's not sure how it's Mm going to land at all. He's just working stuff out. I think some of that comes with the success of all these other times that he's been up on stage and kind of that freedom to just, they're going to have me back again next week, you know, no big deal.
1: Dude, as a guy who like, I don't, I mean, that's the biggest thing I always in LA is like, I was like, I know I'm funny, but I always feel like I'm so scared because I have to please the booker, which in turn makes me nervous. And I don't do as well as I could. And then you have (laughs) these shows where you're like, then you have the show where you're like, it's a shit bar show. I don't care. And you're like, who was that guy? I want to be that guy everywhere. (laughs) I don't want to be the guy who's trembling in front of, but then it's just tough because like a new, a no-name new guy, you kind of have to be like, You have to show up and perform, but you're like, okay, do I just like, and I've talked to people, it's like, do you go up there with the risk taker mentality and just say, you know what, I'm going to do my thing. And I wonder like, if it's as bad as I think, like whenever I feel like that, I'm like, oh, you're probably going to, it's not going to work out, but it's like, I bet they can smell you being yourself more than being this Mm. just recited comic. I'm curious about like, as somebody judging and watching comedy as like a booker, what they gravitate towards more like oh he didn't do as well but that kid was in the moment having fun versus oh this kid did technically better but he was just this
0: like robot scared boy you know so it's like (laughs) right right. is that replicable (laughs) i think i I wonder too how much they they think you know this is and we're two cisgender white guys i feel like i'm replaceable you know Mm -hmm. if i don't crush every time in these showcase things i'm replaceable they'll just find somebody else
1: I think, and I don't know but like for me, but that feeling makes me feel like I have to and it's good though because it makes me have to be such myself more, mm. and that's why I'm happy you said like,' oh, you're unique, you I can see your jokes are like you. I'm like, that's good because, like you said we're just these mannequins of comedy if you're a white, straight male in comedy, yeah. you're this mannequin of comedy that better make enough noise where they recognize your specific noise separate right. from these other straight white males so right i guess it's a gift and a curse where you're like it forces you to really be this concentrated version of yourself but also it's scary because you're just like man somebody can just take me out and put in <laughs> moses storm like and
0: be like all right goodbye right same show same same yeah. show I don't think so, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So are you more worried about like the before times with the big crowds that you're performing in front of or small crowds like outdoors now, not, not like COVID safety issues. I'm just talking about, you know, relationship with the audience, which one scares you more?
1: Um, the, uh, I don't want to say it's either the audience that scares me if we're, okay. Just to answer this question for how I'm feeling right now, the yeah. audience that scares me the most right out the gate is whatever show I'm on when I'm on the show with other very good comics mm. and I know they're watching. So that's like the first one. Like, yeah. I'll be honest with drew and like i love outdoor shit i goof off i like bigger crowds when i was with drew because the, oddly enough i'm less nervous at big shows because there's, there's a wall of darkness and whatever's behind that you don't know like i mean if you're watching the crowd you're freaking out but when you do it enough those are easy because you're just like presenting jokes like right. and you're just like Versus like an outdoor show, you got to do a little more of the riffy dancing around. But I like I also like that, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been in rooms where the bigger crowd is dead and, you know, you just feel like you can't keep the balloon of laughter in the air and it keeps falling and you're like lifting it back up. And but then again, I'm just completely dancing around a solid answer. Um, but then I've done <laughs> well, outdoor shows Where yeah. like, they're not paying attention And you're just like am I just talking right now So yeah, I don't know I think whatever one My peers are at I get terrified yeah. I think that's like At least for me now I don't know The outdoor stuff yeah. I kind of like though because I'm very ADD and I like Seeing things happen Like if something happens it just like almost Gives me a reason to leave my joke And just go on my little tangent Versus like in a bigger room, you can't just do that. Like sometimes in a bigger room, you know, sometimes in a bigger yeah. room, like I'll, I actually have a bad habit of calling out something in the first couple rows and mm. no one behind that row knows it. And then I kind of, and then I ruin my joke that was working. Yeah. And that riff bombs. And then I'm trying to start from zero again. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. One. But they're both great.
1: So I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, I, totally understand totally understand great it was a all perfect terrifying. answer maddie all it was terrifying. a perfect answer uh, i don't know you get what i'm saying they're There's all great and, and they're all terrible all for different reasons it just depends I'm on the night excited all the time yes yeah <laughs> so you studied architecture you're working as a project manager right now what what drove you into stand-up other than just you know your buddy being like hey man you're funny you should try it out what what kept I'm, you you know coming back for stand-up
1: uh, what got me. I mean, I, it's funny. I always enjoyed being funny around my friends, but I never thought I was the funniest, but I loved when I made people laugh. Although it's weird, like around my friends, I didn't think I was necessarily the funniest, but like in my family, I always knew. And I never thought of this as like a special thing, but I always knew how to make like my stepbrothers and stepdad and sister, like laugh. I was like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Oh, I just like, I know what I do. I self deprecate and they laugh. So I was like, But I didn't know that was comedy. I was just like, oh, I can know how to make them laugh. It's not a big deal. And it's funny, like, I would make my mom laugh, not because I was trying to be funny sometimes, but because a situation would happen. And I would would be to try to wrap my head around it. And that's kind of how my comedy is now. Sometimes I would say like a metaphor, like, oh, that is kind of like this. And she would laugh because I made a metaphor. But I'm like, I'm generally trying to wrap my head around it. Um, Right. But it's funny, I was doing all that crap growing up. My friend recommend, recommended it. I was a huge fan of comedy as is. So it was just like a blessing in disguise that he recommended it. And then when I do it and you're kind of chasing that that carrot in front of you because I knew I was better than how I was in that moment. I'm like, I know I'm funny. I know how I make all my friends laugh. But when I go on stage, I'm just not that guy. And I was always ch- striving to be the guy off stage. Are on stage that i am off stage and right, it's just been right. years and years of chasing that well you know good things have been happening and i generally love doing stand-up and making people laugh and the whole process but i really think it was just like my stubbornness being like you're not quitting because i know you're better than this and you know you're better than this and we're gonna see how far it can go because that's right now you're just not developed and you're not giving yeah. yourself justice so generally think that's it right now. And it's just besides being fun, that's kind of like the more stubborn mule inside of me that keeps me going.
0: Right. Well, I think, you know, we all need that as a stand-up, you need a healthy level of delusion. You need a healthy level of determination. Right. Tons of delusion. (laughs) It's weird, but it's like,
1: don't you feel like, I mean, it's like, not to, I mean, just to say it out loud, but it's like, you need delusion as far as like, keeping yourself going, but it's like, you also need this air of like, I mean, for me personally, like I'd also, you have this like ignorance of like, I'm better than them, not maliciously. Cause I've come mm-hmm. from like sports. I played sports my whole life. I played baseball in college. It's a competitiveness yeah. where it's like, not only that, it's like, I see, and this sounds like del- delusional to say, but like I would see some of the big names and be like, I, I can do that. Like I know right. I can be that funny but you don't ever say those things out loud because you'd be <laughs> called an asshole immediately. But it's like this little, right? Your your angel on your shoulder, which you rarely let talk to you in the world of comedy, because I feel like you're constantly beating yourself down. <laughs> yeah, even being like, dude, yeah, you can do this. Like, you're good. Like that, you're better than that. You're just not as. You're. He's been doing it longer, and like even now, like right. I see some of the bigger people, where I'm like you're not better than me you just get way more shows than me and going back to the other thing you get more shows with the comfort if you do bad you will continue to get shows versus me where i'm still proving myself as a comic when i get the 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 quantity of shows that you get i guarantee I will be as good, if not better than you. And it's a douchey thing to say, which people would hate (laughs) to hear me say, but that's like a thing that you kind of got to tell yourself, like you got to be, go to go to bat for yourself and just beat yourself up all day. So yeah, that's another thing too.
0: It it is an interesting dichotomy of of exactly what you're talking about, and we don't need to get into particulars of who we each think no. we are better than, and that's where I think the douche really comes out. That's on the really Patreon, that's, out, on the right? pa- that's on the Patreon. If you have <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, yeah, you got to pay. Get past the paywall for that, but yeah. it takes it takes a healthy level of that. But then there's also this very self critical side of you know that wasn't good enough, right? Like that that wasn't oh dude always. The level that I want. Um, right. And, and both of those emotions live in all, I think all truly successful, successful standups at all times. Right. It's, I mean,
1: how often do we ever have a set? How long, even if we have that set? Cause we, this is, I mean, I'm sure you can attest where it's always having these sets where you're like, that should have been better. Oh, that was yeah. good. But this, it sucked this. It's always doing this. It's always, that yeah. was good. This show, this was, that, then you yeah. out of nowhere for, and I tell people you, you're at that weird area for a couple of years where you're having some of these and then out of the blue, you tell a joke or have a set that is just way up here. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh shit, I don't know what I did. I, I know what I did different. I did, you know, better tags, better laughs for a minute. And then you kind of bump yourself up and then you, and then you're like, I'm doing so good now. And then you do that <laughs> yeah. for a couple months and then it keeps yeah. going up. And then you look back to like, when you thought you were good here, but even then right. like now, I'll have a set where I'm like, I mean, I, every joke hit, every tag hit, they laughed for a long time. And I can listen to that set a year later and be like, that's not good. Like, I mean, you (laughs) always have to, yeah. Yeah. You always have to like, keep yourself humble. You have to, you have to be a very like a a statistician about things where you have to note the good, check it off on the Excel sheet. Okay. You got eight out of 10. And then right. you just go right back to the drawing board. And it's like, you rarely pat yourself on the back. That can get old and it's hard right. to like, but I mean, that's the the grind you have to do. So
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, I mean, as far as your level of success, Maddie, a lot of it here in Hollywood is based on followers and you're building the army. You're building the, the Chimbor army. And I mean, I mean so how, how have you moved from, you know, just strict stand up to now, like Instagram, TikTok, mogul. You're you're getting up there. All right. Okay. What's not where are your blue check marks, Maddie? Where are those blue Dude, check marks? Are I they in the mail?
1: I've I've applied and they're like, you wish. I'm gonna send them this episode. I'm gonna send them this episode with the just a clip of the intro and you saying that and be like, Well more. Do you there need? you go. I got. But uh yeah. I've always been very aware, and this is where I I've always been very aware where I see other people. I reverse engineer things where I'm like, how did they get there? And every time it had to do with build a social media following, right. and nine times out of 10, it's make something that can be shared and always it leaned back to like videos. And I knew I wanted to do videos because I see. Drew blew up from YouTube and got videos and was very prolific with putting out great content and they go viral. And I was like, all right, I knew I want to do that. And to me, like, I was like, how do I get to be a working comedian? And it's always get a fan base to buy tickets because when you push, when you sell tickets, you control and you have a bigger say in what type of money you make. And at the end of the day, that's what makes you a working comedian. And then I go, okay, how do you make tickets? You have to build a following. And like I said, you see the Drews and the Trevor Wallace's and my buddy, Stevie Emerson, who I do stuff. And I'm like, I mean, other people have different theories of how they think the, the, the route goes, but I'm like, for me, that is the direct, the fastest way to be a working comedian. And I've always said that. And I started dabbling like a couple of years ago I would do my cooking with Maddie videos like I wasn't doing anything that was really like getting viral like it wouldn't really yeah. get it, it would get notoriety but nothing really like was getting shared a ton and then I I got a little bump because the laugh factory let me do the fresh faces and they shared a couple of right. my videos right and I always knew like okay get bigger accounts to share you that's great but that's like a that's like getting a big paycheck but that's not having an investment that's constantly giving you returns, return. So I was happy, right? Because it starts to validate you in the world of social media. And I got like 5000 followers, like or 6000 from that. And it's mm-hmm. good, because and in my head, I'm like, okay, like, that should start to steamroll. And just you're constantly learning lessons where it's like when I was when I was at 1000 followers, I'm like, man, when I get 6000, it's gonna steamroll, because <laughs> they're gonna share yeah. it. And it's gonna work yeah. great. And and it, and it didn't, I, but I kept putting out, I got over the years, I would do Cuckoo and Maddie. I would do these random sketches. I would do kind of just like, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then, but I was always putting standup way before it. I would do my podcast a little bit, but I'd always put stand up 99% of my time. So the 1%, I wasn't really giving myself time to develop like a really good idea. And then mm. COVID hit oddly enough, you know, silver lining. <laughs> right. And and at the be- at the tail end of COVID or before it hit and even the beginning, I did a show at the improv. And this manager from New York, his name's Meech Golden, he's the man. He's he's not repping me, but he's just like he just was like call he he introduced himself. I want to take a call, and he just gave me a lot of pointers and he's like, dude, I just want to be a resource for you. Yeah. And it was just and it was great. He's just like a, I was finally feel, like validated in a way. And then long story short, short, at the beginning of COVID, they had a social media manager at, um, at his agency. And I had, I was like, can I just talk to him for like 20 minutes? And I was like, dude, I just want to pick your brain. And he told me the best advice. He goes, make shareable content. So people can share it. And I basically started, I don't know if you w- like scroll down. I, I, I used to do, um, I would do the tweets. You just do a tweet and put it on your Instagram on Twitter. Yeah. They would eat it. They would eat an ass. They would do, t- they would do like maybe. Okay. And what by, okay. I mean like 10, 10 likes. Yeah. And then did that for a little bit, but I'm like, again, I'm not a writer. I love the visual thing. Right. And started doing a couple, I was, I was, t- I was, going away from the Coco and Maddie and then I started doing a couple of these random little sketches and then um and I was like you know what I'm gonna just start one day I was like I'm gonna start doing TikTok I don't care I'm gonna do a sketch two sketch or three sketches a week when I say sketch it's like a one-liner version of a video And I was like I'm just gonna put it out and keep doing it and I had a couple that did really well on there and I mm-hmm. put them on my Instagram and they were starting to get good views. And I was like, okay, this is before Instagram reels came out, which is like the TikTok version. Yeah. And just kept making them. And I had like a handful that out of the bunch I made, I had a handful that did um, really well. And then once Instagram reels came out and I, just to kind of backtrack when IGTV came out and by the rule of thumb for any, for Instagram is whenever there's a new feature, they push it very hard. So actually at at the beginning of COVID, I went back and all my old standup clips I used to post, I re-edited with captions and a thumbnail. And because IGTV was new, they were pushing them. And I actually got a good bump in followers.
0: Oh, then, interesting.
1: Yeah. Yes. Because it was a new thing and everyone's like right. sharing it. So I was like, I'm gonna j- jump on this and I put it out. I didn't know, but I in hindsight I was like, oh, it's because it was new. So then mm. when everyone's like, Oh, Instagram stole uh TikTok, they made their own. I had like five videos that I already knew did great on TikTok. Yeah, and I was like, I go immediately, I put it on Instagram reels and within like a week those ones just started taking off because it's the new feature it's right. proven material and it was just getting shared and like like levels of views that i was just like are you like within like a, <laughs> a couple of days like 200,000 views on there which i mean yeah we all know it's like an inflated thing but um honestly the rest is kind of history where right from there I started to generate this style of basically acting out inanimate and personifying inanimate objects and personifying things yeah and then it just kept working and working and working and I just was like all right this is like what I'm gonna do it's starting to dwindle down but like to go back to your question like or your statement like that's basically how I got to where I'm at now where it's like all right I just jumped on it and then I started developing these ideas and now like I tend to think I'm a good editor and I just keep trying to pump out as many as I can and they're just like thankfully Instagram must have deemed me like a good influencer, or whatever you want to call it and now sure. like my they still they still get good views but the beauty is like now like meme accounts will share it yeah and and that's kind of like the good thing where just having a a video that gets shared and gets shared and shared and shared. It's kind of like investing money. You can either look at it Mm -hmm. two ways, like save your paycheck each week, which means like, you know, hoping you get these little followers from comedy shows. So you're like, I perform for a hundred. I do well, I'll get 20. Or you go, I'm going to make a video that's going to be working for me while I sleep. (laughs) Right. Which you essentially look at as like stock investing. So yeah, that's kind of it right now and I'm I'm now still trying to figure out the next step because it's definitely slowed down but I'm still trying to see like how to even get like more revenue of humans to my page and <laughs> right. It's it's really like a whole different game and it's
0: stressful and daunting but uh yeah, I mean, I'm all in now so I got to figure it <laughs> well, out. Well. Yeah, well 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 done. Well done. You've done you've done fairly well it seems like <laughs> So, I mean, there.
1: it's like, it's like comedy. It's like, I don't know, you write an idea and you're just, or you're just like stressed out. You're like, I got to do a new idea. And then you just beat yourself up and you're like, was that even funny? Like,
0: <laughs> did I just, I, yeah. I just
1: acted out birds. Is that funny? Like, I don't even know what the hell's going
0: on. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's great. you just check the beak? Did you see the beak on her? Oh, you watched it. Thank you. Man. I did. I you yeah. Of, yeah, of course. Of course. It's, dude, I am uh, like a psychopath, but anyways, <laughs> that's that is what it is. I love it. <laughs> uh so you recently did an hour at the comedy bunker what what strategy did you implement as a you know self-admitted non-writer you know Mm -hmm. how how did you go about organizing the hour
1: basically um i and i I learned this lesson from i forgot i think uh james p Connolly. do you know him
0: Uh, name sounds really, he's like a
1: Marine. He was a big flappers guy. He's older, Uh but he would always headline. He's always (laughs) like
0: headlining and doing Claremont. And
1: He taught me a while ago when you do longer sets, you don't remember the individual jokes. You remember the chunk. Right. So I had my construction or working work chunk. I had my grew up in Connecticut, single mom chunk. I had, so I, I basically wrote out, um, And luckily featuring for Drew has got me – it gave me a good solid base of like probably 20 good minutes and then the additional 20 of material that was like fair weather. Because when you feature, you just want to do well. So you're really building up like a solid 20 to 25. But basically the strategy was, okay, if I have five chunks and they're all 10 minutes or whatever – uh, that's basically my hour, you know, obviously 50, sure. but if you figure for laughter, that can eat up a lot of time. So that right. was really it. And I wrote it out on my, I basically also, I went and wrote out every joke, literally like any joke I've ever told as at a feature set, I had a dry erase board, wrote them all out, categorized them in what area it should go. And then from there, I just, um, would just like practice that chunk at Bert's back room. I would go do the 10 minute one and yeah. just be like, okay, today, I don't, I'm not, cause it's so easy to go to a mic and do new stuff. I was like, I'm doing the work chunk and I'm going to do 10 minutes. And then I would literally go back and I print it out. Like you can start to see it here. See this, this thing right oh, here.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: So I would color code this chunk the red chunk was the intro jokes because those tend to open like you have your joke. You can always open with, for some reason, it's just a great opener. Yeah. You put the middle, you put the ones in the middle that like do well, but they, they need a little uh, momentum from previous bits. And then I would put the, at the end of each chunk, I would call it the closer of that group. And I would Mm -hmm. put the best joke at the end. And then I would just like out of, I have construction, my age, being single growing up in connecticut or growing up family that would be that one and then um ex girlfriend so all my ex-girlfriend bits and i would literally just go and just run those constantly and take notes and just keep like i would be like you can come up with new stuff if it fits in that but like i kind of curbed writing a lot of new things because i needed to just like hone all that stuff and just i did that for like a good a good month. But those are also bits that I've been doing on the road for a while. So it's not like I had to do like a ton of rewriting. It was just like kind of building up the ones I haven't said in a while. Right, right. Gotcha. Still stressful, still stressful, nonetheless. But
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Now, obviously, we all have kind of our, our, our sticks our things that we joke about. You know, I joke about religion a lot. I have mm-hmm. heard, not your whole hour, but I've heard some of your stuff. And I don't, you, you joke about being horny a lot, which is hilarious, but you don't really joke about the religion stuff. So is religion part of your background or or are you not really raised religious at all? It's funny I have. I
1: got my uh, first communion. I'm Catholic or I'm Catholic. Uh, uh-huh. My whole mom, you know, my, my grandmother on my dad's side was insanely religious. Okay. My, my, grandparents and mom my mom went to catholic school they all went to catholic school growing up Uh and they would always they would always go to church and then i feel like with the times my mom would like we were fair weather church people but i still would go to ccd i don't know if you know what that is it's like sunday school for people who didn't go to catholic school because i went to like public school oh okay so basically every sunday i would go to the church at like at um it was like the evening, and they would just give us like Catholic school sh- stuff. and you yeah. basically build up and the first step was you got to do your first communion, which is getting the the wafer and all that. yeah, and then from there, you build up again, and I think you get your confirmation, which is like your I mean, it's the next it's another step where you get a confirmation name and all this stuff. so, right i did that and then i mean by that one like the confirmation you're in like high school and i mean after that it's like how much we would go to like church like on on holidays and then i mean when i go to college i never went so it's weird like i understand it a lot i was never like super religious but i can respect it because all of my family i was like the first generation not to sound it's like sounds messed up that like kind of we just were like you know what I think we're done with this, but I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, that's kind of, that's it. You know, I don't, uh, nothing against it. It's not like I I was like the people who never went to church, but I've, right. oh, I've been to church. I can get married in a <laughs> church too, if I want to. So <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. That's great. So do you still identify as Catholic or sort of i mean if I somebody mean, like,
1: brings it up like it's not yeah. something i'm like hey i'm mad i'm catholic they're like what <laughs> right, really? random... uh, but uh yeah. yeah i guess i just i'm also i don't want to like claim it in a way when i'm right. such a fair weather fan it's like you know sports it's like i'm not going to be like go
0: dallas cowboys <laughs> when i don't know many people <laughs> on the team they're like right, so. right sure sure like most but, people in band t-shirts exactly
1: my pink floyd (laughs) shirt i can name one song i think
0: and i don't even know if it's the song
1: or the it's the song or the album i got the shirt at h&m and i was like cool i like justin foster do you know justin at all
0: i don't i oh he
1: he's my buddy anyways he gives he's like a big band guy and Uh i piss him off because i wear a pink floyd shirt and he gets mad because i don't listen to them and right. I claim I, I only bought the shirt because I like triangles because there's a triangle on the front.
0: <laughs> yeah. For Dark Side of the Moon album cover. Yeah, what I, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. So what's the one thing you can name from Pink Floyd? Uh, I think that was it. Dark Side of the Moon. We got <laughs> okay. So that's the, the yeah, fact yeah, yeah. that you
1: can, you can dub it over Wizard of Oz, apparently.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yes. Actually, very cool. I don't know if you've done it uh, or not, but it is, it's, it's amazing
1: never done it. Don't do drugs. So, but, uh, I
0: don't either. And it's still interesting, even without drugs. It's pretty cool. So uh, I'll do it. I'll I'll check it out on YouTube, but
1: yeah, yeah. there uh, you go. I mean, I mean, religion wise, I guess that's it. You know, I, (laughs) I don't, I'm not like, uh, it's there. I respect it. I understand. I understand understand what it means to a lot of people. So if that's what they want and they like, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. I just know people who are, I knew people who are like super religious, like, I remember growing up like Jehovah witnesses would come and like go on your doorstep. You're like, yeah, I mean, thank you. But like, let me just do my thing.
0: Like, why don't you just go? Like
1: I I, I never understood that side of it and it's very easy to poke fun at that
0: side. So. Right. um, Right. Well, they were our biggest competitors as a proselyting missionary It was either us or the Jehovah's witnesses out knocking doors.
1: What's the difference between? Here's a good. Here, here leads us into the Mormon. What's the difference between Jehovah Witness and Mormon? Uh,
0: I mean, quite a bit, quite a bit. Obviously, both Christian. Um, the, you know, my my faith. I believe there's other books of scripture besides the Bible. So that's that's right. probably the easiest way to put the biggest difference, right? We we believe right. that this guy Joseph Smith translated these plates into the book of Mormon. So, right. You know, we believe in current living prophets. I don't know that the Jehovah's witnesses do. Um, they don't believe in anything Wait- from
1: my th- They don't believe in anything. Is that what you said? Uh, from my understanding, they don't, uh, nothing
0: is important to
1: them. I don't know. Besides <laughs> going to doors.
0: I mean, I think I, it's a very interesting model from what I understand of the faith. Not to belittle it at all in case anybody is, is the, of that faith, of that persuasion. But it is hey. an interesting thing to think about. One of the tenets of their faith is that there are 144,000 that are going to heaven and that, that that's it. Oh wow. There are just 144,000 going. So why they would go knock doors is a little bit beyond me. I think you'd be trying to get kind of people out of your faith so that that's you bizarre yeah but you know again i don't know all the intricacies that's that's kind of a a very fly by you know night uh salvation hey. of their faith so it strikes me as odd that that's but in any seems event seems
1: like uh i mean maybe they're just that they want to just send the best of the best they want <laughs> to send so. and they and they're just recruiting it's like the nlb they're they keep putting people in the they're like it's like the it's like baseball. You got the farm leagues, and only right. the best go to MLB. They're like you, your argument, like, well, why do you keep drafting people? You're like, because we got to get the MLB better. So maybe yeah, that's gotta their the MLB. They got to send well, up I the, can, the, the.
0: Yeah, I, I I can understand that. I guess maybe it's also a mix of that with the stand up mentality, right? We all think we're better than those who are already famous to some extent, right? That's why we're chasing it. So yeah, of course, I think. I guess, I guess that makes sense. If I put it that way, I, I guess I can understand I mean, people being like, sure, come on in our faith, but you're not going to be better than me. So. You're going to be doing
1: my work. <laughs> yeah. They just bring them on as like
0: uh assistance to their own thing. <laughs> right. Cause they're that vain. Yeah. Eventual peons. I need more servants up there. Come on in, come on in. Religion's crazy to me because
1: of how, and this is the only thing I'd never understood about it is how, it never gets updated and a lot of comics talked about this, but it's like, mm-hmm. even like, like, I mean, they're, they're like still so focused on literature from so long ago. Like sure. we don't even, we don't even like hold <laughs> merit to things wrote written in like the sixties, but a book that is aged hundreds, arguably thousands of years does not need any refreshing. You're just like, what, what level-headed human would ever agree to that? Like, I just, but I mean, I understand a lot of it's based up for interpretation, so you don't need to rewrite things and that would completely change it. But that was always yeah. one thing for me where I'm just like, I mean, we're all adults. And when you start talking about invisible, th- my. but then again, okay, let me finish that. <laughs> we We all know that the invisible stuff's silly, but then again, I'm like, it's still their attempt at hinting at some sort of an afterlife and it's a snapshot of their knowledge or at least, yeah, their knowledge of like what they can comprehend. So my argument always like, I don't, so like, if there was a new, if they, if somebody was like, like now, Hey, rewrite Christianity with our level of science and understanding and this, it would be this like crazy new, like, theoretical with mixed with more scientific things and energies and like it would almost be more scientific and it's like that's why I don't completely bash it because I'm like dude they don't I mean I always tell people like and even now like for us to try to like comprehend an afterlife is like telling somebody in the 1800s to explain what wi-fi is you're like right they would not And who the hell do we think we are to even try to like understand? Like, I mean, science is wrong every year. They're like, yeah, we, by the way, that equation is wrong. So it's like, why don't we just like accept, why don't we just accept that? Like we're in this, like, we're dumb at the end of the day. I understand we're trying to figure it out, but like, and I think religion's just trying to like hint at it in a way but also I the thing that I take from religion that I respect is it's just like them basically preaching to be good and good to others I think it can get mislead misled with I mean when you get a little competitive with it and they start getting crazy and this and the other but I mean there's a lot of aspects that are you're like all right calm down but I
0: don't know yeah two cents on it yeah I, I agree I think there's a good way to do religion which is what I think you're talking about and there's a bad way to do religion which is what you're alluding to uh, where it's right. it not about loving your neighbor. It's about showing your neighbor why they deserve to be judged right now. So, exactly. That's a little yeah.
1: that, that part you're like, just be good to each other and if you need to, I don't wanna say if you need to go to church. like if people just enjoy going, then who the hell gives a shit Like go.
0: Right. My,
1: my English teacher, and I always think about this in middle school, he was Jewish, but he he liked going to temple. And how he put it, and I've always respected it. He goes, "I just like going because I feel like I'm sitting there with a blanket over me, and someone's telling me a story, and I feel good." And I'm just like, mm. "That's why you want to go." Then, go, then you can <laughs> never get mad at this guy who just enjoys sitting back and listening and taking what he wants and moving on with his day. So that's right. That's why I, ne- right. that's why I never.
0: Yeah, and I do think that is you know, 99% of why people go to church. I think the the part that people have an issue with and that I think gets more publicity than it should uh, as far as like depicting why people go to church is because they envision people going, being wrapped in a warm blanket and being told why they should hate the gays, you know? Yes,
1: yeah. And it's
0: like, we get that that, is publicized but that is not why most of us churchgoers go to church because that's not what's happening at church that's right, not what we're right, being right. told that's um, for the saturday
1: mass that's the
0: saturday <laughs> mass. yeah yeah that's for the patreon that's for the patreon <laughs> the patreon of church you gotta pay to get into that one <laughs> that's it that's it baby uh yeah so so do you believe in an afterlife at all like are you kind of agnostic or where do you fall no in, i think i belief? generally
1: think it's kind of like what my 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 explanation of like I think how our language trying to sum up what happens after you die can't be done in a way mm-hmm. I do believe something happens uh-huh. I don't I don't know what because I generally don't think anybody can even comprehend it but it's funny on my podcast the other day as like I mean our uh this is gonna get deep I feel like it's weird because our words were generated because we felt something and we made a noise and you just kept making that noise and it became a word and this and the other but that doesn't mean there's a word for everything and all but yet we feel things sometimes and all this stuff so I feel like yeah as weird as it sounds I I mean I feel like when you die you don't, it's going to be so new, but in a weird way, it's going to be mainly a familiar feeling because it's, everything's very natural and there's life and there's cycles and all this stuff. And, you know, we feel like, uh, feel like there's, we, I don't want to say recycle feelings, but like, there's events that like, you're like, I felt this before for this circumstance and it's like a means of growing. And it's like, even like going back, like it's crazy where, you have that feeling of like sadness, but also being happy when you like had to graduate high school and then you kind of, and then you have that same feeling again when you had to graduate college where you're like these kind of like death and reborn feelings and you kind of like you're see right. how it you le- it's sad to leave that, but you're going here and there's additional like thoughts and emotions mixed with that. And then you have the same thing when you meet, like you have that little summer camp effect when you go somewhere, pe- like That's just like the coming and going vibe, but I'm like, I feel like there's those situations beyond this and it's going to be a sensation that it's going to be new. It's probably scary, but when it's happening, you always hear these like after death stories where they're like, I felt calm. And it's like, if you can ask somebody who was dead, like, was it as mind blowing? It was it mind blowing. Yes. But is it a situation where you kind of felt at peace? Like you trusted the process. I think that's what it's like what the end game is. I mean, everybody thinks we're just going to be translucent humans in the clouds. I mean, I don't think it's that, but I'd like, I tend to think that you can still, I mean, for the sake of your family and friends, I tend to think even if you're not like a human form, you can still uh, feel like your mother or your daughter. You're like, you you can, you know, they're near you. Like as that, like, so I can hope it's that wow understanding it's probably not that but maybe it is so I I think it's something some people where they're just like you shut off the lights and um it's done I'm like okay but we also know nothing about consciousness where like right there's so much there's so much to it that to tell like human being to put in words i mean it's just like you're not doing yourself any justice but i can at least hint at like a process i think it goes and like yeah. using like precedence of like i mean us not understanding why uh we before we were born why we don't remember stuff it's like because you're of you weren't in the vessel of consciousness yet so you have no reason it's like i look at like your soul and being a a human like being um like uh a human is like a car and the soul is the person driving it where Mm -hmm. you're putting this vessel you might have a shitty car a great car a fucking car that wants to crash into other cars but you know (laughs) you're doing your best with the weird square wheels that you're getting and driving yeah, and once you ride that shit till it goes, like the the car's gone, but the person driving it is still an entity. But you couldn't experience driving without being in the car.
0: Yeah. So like that's
1: like you know that does that make sense? So yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah, my, yeah.
1: That's my that's my thought process. So I think everyone needs to get together, take a pill, kill each other like a cult,
0: <laughs> wait, and document. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we took we Maddie took a very coming coming TikTok <laughs> religion. We took a nah, very strong turn suicide. there. That's I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's not at all. I love it. That's not at all where I thought you were gonna go with that. But that's what we love about you, Maddie. <laughs> and we're all horny in my afterlife. It's just that's slippery it, baby. And hard. <laughs> <Slippery and> hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. So I mean, your your vision like as far as like a god or a divinity, do you believe in that, in something that's kind of watching over all of us? I feel like, uh, I mean,
1: watching over is, I mean, I don't know about watching over. I look at it like this. I drew a picture once when I was high where like, Uh whatever we are, there's a much more concentrated version of that somewhere else, which is in turn what God would be. And we're just little pieces that broke off and inhabited what we are. So that's why, I mean, some people might be more concentrated than others. What does that mean? I don't know. But I feel like it's this, like, if you call it a cloud and then like little clouds break off, that's what people, so it's like, we're all like, that's why when people like, we're all part of whatever you consider God. Yeah. I feel like it's just like what your consciousness and your morals are just a less, uh, I don't want to say concentrated version because I would imply that that thing knows more, but I guess maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I do have a, yeah. a sense that we, we were like, it's branched off of like a bigger math. I don't want to say energy, but like, if you're going to use that, like there's a source of this energy and we're up, we are, we have that within us, but yeah. wherever the hell that lives is considered. If you want to call that the God aspect, I guess, I don't know.
0: Right, right, right okay i like that interesting interesting yeah uh so
1: sweet it's like science and theoretical i guess is my thought or like you know what i'm saying like it's yeah, not yeah, science. because yeah. i don't want to i don't want to give science too much credit but it's like I, i'm a huge proponent of like being realistic and having common sense and trying to like look at things like unbiased that's why i'm not like super political or like i i'm so like I try to be as unbiased as possible in every situation because, and even like right. how I apply, like my thoughts on like all these things where obviously religion says words for these entities, science mm. has labels for things. I'm like, before there was words and labels and stuff like, what do you generally just think it was? And that's kind of like how I come up with my solutions and at least for that stuff. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like that. I can respect that. I think like you, that religion and science, uh, are pitted against each other when I don't think they should be. Right. I think it's really right. two different sort of modes of thought to get at truth. And I think they actually can help right. each other out. I don't think they have to be at odds. Um,
1: I think a religion was arguably trying to do what science did before science was even a real thing,
0: as far yeah, as like right.
1: understand stuff. And then they put labels on it. And then one day some guy just put a narrative to the science, which in turn became or the narrative to their science, which was religion. I feel like religion is narrative to their science back in the day. And then obviously when science came around, their whole goal is to constantly debunk things. So obviously (laughs) the first thing they looked at was what they used to be talking about. And that's why they're constantly at odds. But I guarantee if you like took a guy from way back when who was religious and a scientist now and had them in the room, They'd be like, yeah, I'm just trying to figure that out, but I just called it this because I didn't know what else to call it, and I called it an angel with wings. And he's like, well, it's not exactly that, but then they would figure to have a common ground. So
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, I 100% agree, 100% agree. I love it. Yeah. And and on that note of agreement, uh, I want to now move to our last and final segment of the podcast, where you get to now pepper me with whatever questions you've you've had about my faith and religion. In a segment I call, What's the Deal with Mormons? So, Maddie Chimber, what's the deal with Mormons?
1: Do you feel like it's, uh, as a Mormon, I feel like one of the biggest highlights is how you guys can apparently hook up with or be, have multiple wives. Do you feel like that's an annoying <laughs> stigma around it where it's like almost like a sexually driven religion in a way? Yeah, I mean, you guys are it, the nicest people on earth, but it's weird <laughs> that like your stigma is like, I can fuck all the women or, you know, <laughs> right? Is that, not-
0: I, So two things. One is it is a a stigma that is – it's sort of a classic stereotype in that it came from a place that was actually true but has been not true for quite a long time now. So uh, people in in my faith, the mainstream Mormons, right, mainstream members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, have not practiced polygamy for over 100 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there are little pockets – of you know sort of sects that have broken off from the mainstream faith you know in central utah a lot of them that still practice polygamy but they're not considered members of my faith so it's like alti mormon right right exactly silver lake Uh, mormon (laughs) (laughs) yeah the hipsters the progressive mormons um, I mean. That being said, the church has never come out to say that polygamy itself is an evil, condemnable practice. What is the
1: reason? How? Where did that derive, and why so, was it?
0: I mean, polygamy was practiced in the Old Testament, right? With with Solomon and some of the other prophets and kings, they practiced polygamy. Um, you know, you have Abraham who practiced polygamy uh there were some problems. very
1: very primitive thing it seems sure right for everybody not just you not just you right i mean for everybody
0: right i think it's it's sort of based on and if you read into some like mormon apologists so so what happens is joseph smith restores the church um in in the 1830s and he's translating the book of mormon comes across some stuff that talks about the uh you know the ancient prophets and polygamy and uh joseph is asking god in prayer about these activities right like what was the deal with polygamy essentially Mm -hmm. and um they are through joseph smith you know he's been revealed that this is an important practice for the saints at that time to actually start implementing so they start implementing polygamy in the late 1830s 1840s and it lasts for about 50 years 1890s the united states government outlaws it and therefore the the faith stops practicing it they send some of their members to mexico to continue practicing it because some of these apologists will say well a big part of polygamy is actually populating the the earth right it's getting more members of the faith raised as kids uh to have a healthy sort of base of people that believe this religion right right so that's one reason another reason was sort of their understanding the early saints understanding of of what it took to get into what we call exaltation sort of this highest level of heaven and one thing that's required is marriage between a man and a woman and there were lots of women who either had lost their husbands to death, you know, uh, through sickness or being killed, uh, through, you know, battle or whatever that, um, they, they wanted to ensure that these women would not be, uh, Left behind. yeah, right. Exiled. Cause they weren't married any longer. So there were some marriages right. performed that were just sort of almost symbolic in nature so that they all felt covered in making sure everyone could make it into exaltation. Um, That makes
1: sense.
0: Probably a mix of both. But anyway, in the 1890s, it stopped. And, uh, but it's, it's kind of a cool little bit, right? I mean, polygamy is so salacious that it sticks around. So,
1: I mean, I mean, that's just how perverted people are. They're like, hold on.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, and you you got multiple, yeah, (laughs) you have the problem of, these people in central Utah and some other little communities around the United States who call themselves Mormon, who are practicing polygamy and who do believe in the Book of Mormon, who do claim Joseph Smith to be a prophet of the restoration of their faith. And uh, that, that, that sort of confuses, I think, the, the general public who don't really care other than this really cool little kind of salacious fact, right? It's like a
1: uh, clickbaity. Why, why are they, why is the news and the internet going to cover uh, boring Mormons when you get the spicy stuff <laughs> right. in central Utah? Right,
0: right. And the then worst... that seems
1: like the general consensus.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go after the worst dressed, most apparently sex hundred people in the Mormon faith. Go for it. I, I mean, don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'll read about it. I'll <laughs> sign
1: me up. Right. You feel like right. There's, is there a, is there a, a lot of Mormons out here?
0: Uh, yeah, there's a healthy amount. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: do you hang out with them or like feel? Uh, do you go to like? Where's your church at?
0: Yeah, so I go to a building that is in uh, La Crescenta area. Um, mm-hmm. so that's where our church building is, and in sort of in our our corner of the earth, La Crescenta, La Canyada, there are there are a few church buildings, a few different congregations that meet at these church buildings. But yeah, there's a fairly healthy. Uh, Latter-day Saint uh, faith or, or I guess, you know, overall congregation, a gathering in, in Los Angeles. There's just so many people in LA. So. I mean, this,
1: yeah. Do you feel like there's a, can you can you spot a Mormon?
0: I mean, if they're wearing a BYU shirt, yeah. Heck yeah, baby. Oh, I guess.
1: Yeah, Brigham, yeah, that's Young. Funny.
0: Brigham Young University, that, that gives them away every time. I will say though, no. I've been confused when I see a Y on a hat or a shirt. Because sometimes it's Yale, so you can't right. just you can't just jump to conclusions when you see that. And tricky Yale.
1: Letter. If I know anything about New Haven, Connecticut, it's no Mormon. It's no Mormon area. Well, Puerto <laughs> Ricany, but uh, no Mormons. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. My only beef.
1: My only beef with Mormons is uh, I was when I moved out here. This girl, she'll remain nameless, but I met her at oh, a comedy good. club because she she worked there and she. Yeah showed interest and you know launched our short we started like going on dates and all this stuff and then i was like oh i like this girl and then it comes out her boyfriend which i don't know what they were at the time was doing his yeah. little retreat somewhere where do you guys his like mission his, his mission he was on a mission and wow. uh you know and she was like going out with me We we're like we weren't going all the way, but we, you know, like hook up and this and the other. And then yeah. uh, it kind of just turned out that, like, it was she knew when he came back, they were going to get, you know, uh, go to the Mormon fucking <laughs> party and uh, <laughs> make some babies. And I was just like, yeah, what the? I go. What was that? I go for being this like nice uh, religious girl. You kind of <laughs> fucked me over. So what the hell is that? And I'm like, I wish you told me. And it was just so bizarre how it was just like he left yeah on his mission fucking doing whatever they do and you know and then he came back and it was just like see ya and i'm like but then you meet mormons who like when i was in hawaii playing baseball man you meet these mormons where they find loopholes in the whole uh (laughs) no hooking up thing and i'm like oh Oh, boy boy. there i gotta say
0: this there are no loopholes there are no loopholes. There's no poop hole loopholes. Just buttholes. Yeah, nope, nope, nope. It's all that's all intercourse, baby. You've you've done it. You've it's done all, the dirty. It's all, um, the term
1: soaking God. is a huge is different in Mormonism. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. And it's unbelievable what people will do. I mean, that just speaks I, I will say this that, that there is a a problem, I think, within my faith about being sexually repressive, you know? And it's right. not it's not like, I I don't think like youth leaders are trying to be repressive. I think it's just awkward, you know, in any sort of pervasive religious culture, it's awkward to talk about these things. And so it gets this really bad stigma. And then you get a bunch of really confused kids that are just like, ah, well, if I don't, you know, if I'm not pumping in and out, then it's not the deal. So
1: Right. Right.
0: Ridiculous. Ridiculous nonsense. Last,
1: I guess last question. So do you, yeah. are you at the Mormon level? Like I've heard, do you like not drink coffee or any stimulant or anything like that? I
0: mean, uh, no, for, I don't drink for religious reasons
1: or just like, right, you just right. don't do
0: it. Yeah, no, I don't drink coffee or tea for religious reasons. I don't drink herbal tea cause it's gross. Uh, yeah, but disgusting. allowed religiously. Um, and as far as like stimulants, that's I don't know. I, I mean, I guess no. like
1: caffeine's the only one I really know about, or at least like one right. that I was like I I heard that and I was like, well, wow, it's pretty interesting because caffeine is amazing. So I'm sure. Yeah, no, caffeine
0: you... is amazing. Uh No, I love chocolate. I love a good Mountain Dew, Nectar of the Gods, I call it. Uh, so you'll caffeine... get the
1: sugar high. You'll get the sugar high.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, caffeine's interesting, right? So so caffeine, Maddie, is one of these things that. A lot of members of the faith, for whatever reason, believe that that's why coffee and tea are sort of outlawed within the Mormon faith. But there's never been any direct counsel from, you know, the prophets of the church to say that caffeine is the problem, because if caffeine were the problem, then chocolate's got to go and uh, Red Bull's got to go and all these, you know, energy drinks got to go Um and why and is caffeine
1: think, or coffee and tea like what's it's banned or that's just, I don't understand. Right,
0: that. right. Well, so the the answer is that when Joseph Smith received a revelation called colloquially the word of wisdom, which is this health code that we live by, uh, similar to kind of Jewish kosher law, um no he was given the words and in the, in, the words in the revelation are hot drink, no hot drinks. Okay. But that what? was, in, in, yeah, right. But that was interpreted by Joseph Smith in a subsequent sort of letter that he wrote as coffee and tea. So hot chocolate, totally good. Uh, it's, it's not about the temperature. It's about the contents. And to be honest, I don't know what the chemical makeup is of tea and coffee that makes it bad, but it's never been delineated as caffeine. I think the true answer to this question is about addiction in general, right? So this, this word of wisdom revelation is really about keeping ourselves clean and pure from, uh, you know, addiction from, from the needs of whatever. Right. So, so that we can be influenced by the Holy Spirit. That's that's the I real goal.
1: Mean, I mean, goal of- chocolate and Mountain Dew sounds like an addiction if you ask me. <laughs>
0: i mean i'm not on it right now i'm not on it right now that's the thing i don't know uh, i don't feel like i as you are slowly things. putting the cap back on one <laughs> yeah. i'm fine i'm fine right now okay right i don't here, need just
1: it. i see it fizz up on your shirt and you're like <laughs> god damn it
0: i've just got that's chocolate crazy streaks under my chin
1: do to yeah, know my theory is Joe, john smith drank a coffee and shit his pants because it makes you shit. And he goes, this devil juice is not going to make its way into my religion. He was
0: so embarrassed. Well, the way this revelation came about is interesting because the Mormon faith was practicing what was called the school of the prophets. So a bunch of old, you know, middle-aged white guys, similar to me and you actually around 34, we're both about the same age. They would meet in, yeah, baby, it's a good year. It's a good year. Uh, they would meet in, the, in this room above this general store in Nauvoo, Illinois, and uh, talk about everything, science, math, language, art, just everything. They would teach each other everything they knew about every topic. And um, during those meetings, they were smoking cigars. They were smoking pipes. They were chewing tobacco. Uh, drinking coffee they were spitting out tobacco juice all over the place and at the end of the meeting all these good righteous men would walk down the stairs and leave and emma joseph's wife would go up the stairs and like a good woman clean right Mm -hmm. and she eventually after a few of these meetings said joseph this is disgusting i i will not do this anymore and so joseph Uh. then went to pray uh, she said, I don't think it's it's proper. I don't think it's proper for a prophet of the Lord to be spitting out tobacco juice all over the place. That's gross. And the revelation came. Word of wisdom. Listen to the wife. You shouldn't be doing this. It's bad for mm. you. And there you go. So we he alluded, he,
1: hopefully he eluded a lot of
0: people with addiction problems that never
1: dabbled with it. And if anything, they're just addicted to good old J.S.,
0: Right. Right. That's it. Or JC, JC, JC. Baby. Oh, John Smith. No, it's not. So Joseph Smith is a, yeah, He he's the guy that. Restored keep, Jimmy the church. Smith. I keep going Jimmy. wrong. Jay. Right. It's okay. Jim. It's all right. I called you by the wrong last name.
1: It's all right.
0: It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm a prophet.
1: I'm a prophet of uh, (laughs) the Lord of horny.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that's, that's the very long verbose answer to your rather simple question.
1: Last question. Do you feel like there's a competitiveness amongst the Mormonisms with that in mind where like people try to outpeer each other? Where it's like, oh, you don't, I don't drink coffee, but I also don't do this. And then you get people kind ah. of like out, bore each other with like, <laughs> to the point where there's people who are like, <laughs> so they're like, I don't go out in the wind. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, Oh, where did that? I yeah, mean, like, I, but like, do you know what I'm saying? Like there's like people yeah. you're like, oh, they're so Mormon. Or like, it's right. almost like trying to be a one up, one up Mormon version.
0: Yeah. It's the one up righteousness. Um to an extent, you ever met anyone
1: I, with a with an ex, with a with a I guess? Have you ever met anyone with like a quote unquote Mormon habit where you're like, that's just too Mormon for me?
0: I mean, uh, or lack thereof, lack of a, a great habit. great question. Sometimes with these with these kinds of questions, I feel like I'm too close to in the culture to know like what is the culture. Do you know what I mean? Like for all I know, uh, Seth Lawrence only shits
1: with the lights out because that's mormonism and i'm just like that's weird
0: what? right no <laughs> you're like, I, I'm you're not... like joseph
1: yeah. smith said you shall not <laughs> see the turd that becometh of you right because yeah, prophets don't see their own shit and you guys are like, yeah that's don't, just what we do. <laughs> don't
0: look on the refuse of your own body no exactly that's uh, mormon <laughs> this is so mormon that is so mormon um yeah. Oh man, that is, uh, it's a great question, Maddie. I don't, I i definitely felt people one-upping each other in high school with righteousness, which is a very interesting time really? to That's be hilarious. doing that. Yeah, so I knew kids, you know, like we would talk about what movie we were going to go see. Oh, uh, we am going to go, you know, we should go see Austin Powers this weekend. And then, you know, we'd get to the guy that we all knew he might not come and he'd be like, yeah, man, I don't see... You know, I know that everyone is told, don't watch R-rated movies. I don't see PG-13 movies. I That's draw the exactly line. it. Yeah. So but it's one of those things. Right. Hilarious. Right. So I've definitely met those people. What's funny is that guy, uh, you know, anyway, it's sort of like some of these people who try so hard to do religion the right way, which is like over the top, end up right. kind of hating it and then leaving it because it's impossible to live like that. And it's, it's like a yeah, standard were... that
1: it's too much.
0: Right. And it's like, you were never supposed to live like that. So no wonder you hate, it. I would hate it. I would hate it. If you, if I did it that way.
1: That's like uh, when people start podcasts and they overdo the first episode with all these graphics and, <laughs> and then by episode 10, they get burnt out because they it's like, you just should have started it at a right. steady pace and let right. the righteousness catch up to you than him coming out the gate being like i don't watch awesome powers i don't put butter on my popcorn i shit with the lights out no coffee you're like dude you're over. you gotta ease into it buddy
0: yeah 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 exactly no 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 chocolate here baby i'm all pure. i want
1: a, i want to i want a chapter in the book of mormon called the chapter of easing into it and I, you know <laughs> you guys are just gradually become just these orbs that hover of righteousness but until then (laughs) you guys can watch r-rated movies and
0: right right yeah go to to nightcap a a 12-step intro program where you're slowly slowly getting into it yeah
1: well we'll have to develop
0: maybe maybe i'll write up a rough draft of that program and send it to you for editing
1: i would love to just uh I'm going to come up with things that I think are Mormon that you should stop doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The lights out
1: shit, the lights out bathroom sounds like it could be like an elite Mormon (laughs) practice where they're like, we don't want to see the turd. We just turn lights on
0: afterwards. What's nice about that is you're, you're also hitting into like this Hasidic kind of like no work, you know, turn the lights off on the Sabbath kind of thing in this Mennonite no technology you're hitting a bunch of like different sort of main like hardcore religions in that one I like that dude I'm a
1: hybrid I'm I'm a people look at fusion like dining with like fusion foods I do fusion religions where it's like (laughs) instead of like Mexican Asian I'm like dude I got a little Hasidic Mormon thing I'm working on
0: Right. I love it. You can only you can only urinate while holding the mezuzah or whatever it's called on Saturdays. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. You got to hold it. Got to hold it to the weekend. Right. Dude, it, sir. No more. Cl- you cleared the air for me. I'm good. Now. Beautiful. Good. Good. Well, anything anything you want to plug? You got a fantastic podcast that you're running. The Maddie Chimber podcast. The Maddie
1: Chimber podcast on YouTube. Um, I mean, my spelling is you'll see uh my friend here spell it in the uh description but uh m-a-t-g-y-c-h-y-m-b-o-r check out my videos we chatted about on tiktok and instagram They're very uh very uh unique videos that i take pride in and stress about so if you can like it and look at it not even like it just watch it and uh, maybe comment that you came from the seth lawrence show uh <laughs>
0: the disorganized which, religion podcast disorganized yeah. religion
1: exactly and then uh i mean that's it i mean at the end of the day i just want them to enjoy the episode and keep listening to your podcast and subscribing to you and smashing the like button so
0: <laughs> i love it i love it do you have a website people can go to to find out when you're you coming know to I their don't. town? you don't I don't i'm i'm I actually
1: i'll 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 uh I'll plug this the first time ever. I'm starting my merch. I'm selling these hats, which I don't even have out yet. They say wildly oh, the average. It's, it's a nice, I like hat. That. I, this this is the prototype and it's going to start making its way into my videos. And I'm going to get people to start getting familiar with it. If they like it, there'll be a link, but I'm not like, I uh, just wanted to say that because it's the first time I've ever said it. So yeah, it's a
0: new, it's a new great. thing. I'm
1: trying to get, trying to get merch going. That's not comedy merch, but it's almost like it's, it's this separate entity that you would see me wearing while doing my videos because you'd be shocked when I do my videos. Like when I had my USC hat, didn't even go there. It's just a hat I wear Yeah. or certain articles of clothing. People comment and notice it. And I'm like, and my buddy's like, you should make merch. So I don't want it to be like goofy comedy merch. I'd rather be like something cool that people would wear. So this is the first of hopefully many that uh, if you guys like it, feel free to keep an eye out for when they go on sale. So.
0: That's great. Now, did this idea – I mean, so you talked about this in your last podcast episode a little bit, this wildly average kind of idea.
1: I threw the word out there a little bit, and I do – and that's kind of the idea that has driven it, where, I mean, as much as I talk about me thinking I'm better than everyone, but I, at the end of the day, I do right. generally think we're all just average people, and we have our peaks and valleys. And uh, Yeah. I mean, it's almost to kind of keep yourself grounded when you see – Somebody's Instagram and it makes your life feel shitty, or you see somebody doing well, guess what? They're average. You're just looking at their highlight reel and they look at you the same way you're looking at them. So, right. I mean, we're well, just and it might not even just, be a
0: highlight reel. They
1: might have just wept just right after. Exactly. It's like, you know, we're just uh, these normal blobs and we're, <laughs> yeah. you know, trying to be, we're trying to be wildly average, meaning like we're, you know, we're just, uh, it's an extreme. Right. It's like an oxymoron in a way. Right. I guess. And it's, like, a I silly self-deprecating thing that I feel like people can be, like, wearing and thinking, like, it's almost, like, cool to be, like, I'm average, like, instead of wearing a <laughs> shirt that says I'm the best. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. I'm with I'm with average. You can start a whole thing. Dude, see? It's, like, I'm, that's why I'm <laughs> trying
1: to just, like, really nail down what the first couple products are that – I mean, you can, I will gladly, you can be the recipient of some merch and I'll give it I'll, to you for I'll, free. So
0: I'll buy it. I'll buy it from you,
1: Maddie. I'll support nah, dude. No, no, nah, dude. We're, I got a, I got a community that I will be <laughs> sharing it to just wear it and not uh, cross out any of the graphics and <laughs> we'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Absolutely, man. I'll be a happy wear supporter. Uh, Maddie. thank you so much. I really appreciate you great. coming on, talking about this with me tonight uh sweet man well i'll put all your info in the show notes uh everybody hit up maddie Ch- chimber on uh twitter there he is. pod uh his podcast uh tiktok instagram all the good and look stuff for that merch look for that merch baby
1: keep an eye out for it it's not it's uh it's it's still in the works but it's uh it's it's like the uh the willy wonka treat you know you just you just saw it but you can't take it out yet it's the gobstopper <laughs> yeah, I like of hats it's the I gobstopper like it. of hats you saw the recipe <laughs> but you better not tell
0: fucking Fornsworth or whatever his name is <laughs> right right oh man what's deep cuts from maddie chimber tonight i love it dude thank metaphors, you so much remember it's the
1: metaphors just to go it. back see yeah. I need people to understand with, I need them to have two examples, not one. So then they can make, <laughs> Oh, I get it. So anyways, thanks buddy. I, I really do appreciate this. This is great. Nightcap. Th- this is what we do at nightcap people. You got to see and you know, yeah, hopefully there'll be more. So
0: yeah, hopefully so. All right, baby. Thank you so much, Matty. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you at nightcap uh, a couple weeks.